And with me this morning is Dr. Rajbans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society. Good morning, Dr. Rajbans. Good morning. Now, herbal remedies have been used by healers around the world for centuries to prevent and treat diseases. But in China, that the practice has been the most extensively used and documented. Now, the World Health Organization recently has formally approved the latest version of its influential global compendium, which includes a chapter on traditional medicine for the first time. However, not everyone is happy with the controversial move. Some in the biomedical community say WHO overlooked the toxicity of some herbal medicines and the lack of evidence it works, while animal rights advocates say that this will further endanger animals like the tiger, the pangolin, the bear and the rhino, whose organs are used in some TCM cures. So I guess the question um, here, Dr. Rajbans, is uh, does TCM, traditional Chinese medicine and all these other remedies, um, do they have a place in modern medicine? Yeah, I think in Malaysia, actually, Putrajaya already has got a TCM branch for oncology. That means there are two Chinese, uh, the doctors trained in TCM from China. The local Malaysians who have gone for training, completed their full training. In fact, they, they go for seven years training. Wow. Uh, okay. Traditional Western medicine, about five years. So, very well trained. And I think we shouldn't be actually scared because uh, traditional Chinese medicine has been there for you know thousands of years, a long time around. But again, that Think about you know using uh, animal this thing. I think that's again not true, because most of the TCM real doctors who practice TCM look at herbs, you herbs know Chinese yeah. herbs and mm-hmm. Chinese sort of uh, medications that are made from plants, which are actually you know quite quite safe. So I think the ones that use all these, the one the animal parts and actually are you non TCM, you know mm. the non traditional Chinese medication. They are just quacks who do this. Right. So I think you don't have to worry about that. But I think it's there is definitely a role, especially in a country like Malaysia, multicultural. Sometimes we Western doctors find, you know, there's nothing more we can do for certain diseases, you know, for example, like cancers or certain autoimmune diseases. So there's no harm getting the help of the TCM to see whether they can help, you know, like build up the immune system of the patient while the traditional doctors give all the other medication. So I think there's a good role to play together. Right. What do we have to be wary of, though, um, of TCM when incorporating it with our conventional medical treatment? I mean, sometimes there are contraindications, right, with herbs and yeah. with the medicine that we are currently on. Yeah, so again, the doctors that I uh, met with in Putrajaya, they actually work together with the Western doctors and they know exactly which sort of the Chinese herbs will work with which Western medicine because they also got Western medicine training. So, same with the doctors who are not sure they can discuss with them. So, it's working as a team and most of the time when the Western doctors find that their drugs are not working, then they'll ask them to help with their... So there's probably no contraindication at that time. All right. Now coming up, is green tea good for you? Well, maybe it can be, but sometimes it may not work. We've got that study next here on Light. On HealthWise with me is Dr. Raj Bans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society. The evidence on green tea's benefits is still developing and we don't know if it's the healthier choice when compared to other drinks like dark tea, black tea, as well as coffee. But if you're looking to make the switch, I guess there's a lot of information that you can get, um, whether you're going to go for the bean or the leaf <laughs> divide. Mm. Dr. Raj Bans, in your many years of uh, medicine, what are your thoughts on green tea? I mean, green tea, there's uh, definitely... Definitely, it's a 
good, very good antioxidant and no, definitely no harm. Uh, how much of green tea you must take? I I would be wary to take too much of anything. You know, so if you're taking, let's say, two or three cups a day, definitely no harm. You know, I think it's a good thing to do. Now, how much are the benefits? You know, they do say there's some improvement in memory. There's a Japanese study. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some talking about some weight loss because you actually got green tea tablets now in the market. Yeah. You know, that's say for weight loss. But I think the weight loss is very minimum. It's just, uh, you know, if anything, it's, it's you is a lifestyle that helps. Like well, exactly. And I've also read um, adverse reactions people have had uh, taking these green tea tablets, you know, for for diet. And it's caused liver damage and, and even yeah. some fatalities as well. Yeah. So again, that is, it depends on where those green tea tablets mm-hmm. are made and whether people, there were some other impurities inside. But taking just two, three glasses of green tea a day, definitely no harm. I think it's a good antioxidant. But I don't think so. You're going to expect great things to your <laughs> weight, weight or your memory results. and your heart health. But definitely no harm. I would actually, rather than take uh, certain sugary drinks, I would rather take something like green tea. Yes. You know, because it's got antioxidants. All right. Wonderful. Well, coming back, we'll take a look at the dangers of LED lighting, not just to our eyes, but to our body rhythm. That's up next here on Light. It's the Light Breakfast with Shaz. Now, LED lights have come in the news. A blue light in light-emitting diodes. Lighting can damage the eye's retina and disturb natural sleep rhythms. This is what France's government-run health watchdog said recently. And new findings confirm earlier concerns that exposure to an intense and powerful LED light is phototoxic and can lead to irreversible loss of retinal cells and diminished sharpness of vision. That's pretty scary stuff. Um, Dr. How harmful are LEDs to us? Yeah, I mean, these studies are talking about, you know, the disturbing your retina. So you get, you know, you can long term can get retinal damage, macular degeneration. So again, I suppose the amount of exposure, but, you know, disturbing your, your rhythm, sleep rhythm, which is actually not good because, you know, when you don't have good sleep, it can lead to other things like metabolic disorders. So, so that's the other issue. And I think one of the things is maybe using a lot of screen time mm-hmm. before bedtime, you know, that means your computers and your, if they have LED, you know, computers, handphones and all, maybe don't, you know, a lot of people like to switch off all their lights and then you just yeah. use that phone and that I think could be even more dangerous. So I think avoid things like that. And of course, uh, the best thing is the less exposure, the better. Okay. Well, I guess that's the only way to really protect ourselves yeah, from yeah. phototoxicity, isn't that's it? That's right. That's what about thinking. changing your light bulbs back to those yeah, I mean, there's other option if you think <laughs> I that... I don't even uh, know if it's available still in the yeah, market, are I they? I don't know. I think they should be. They should yeah. be. A lot of people still use yellow, yellow light, so okay. maybe you can just go back there if you're really worried. All right. Well, coming up, there's a new male birth control pill that might be safe. Uh, still a long way to go. We'll take a look at that next here on Light. And I've got Dr. Rajbans, president of the Malaysian Wellness Society, with me looking at the male birth control pill. A lot of people are looking forward to a time when men will be able to take an oral contraceptive, but there are challenges with hormonal birth control, suppressing testosterone in men to super low levels while avoiding the side effects of low hormone levels, such as changes in sexual function, is one of them. And researchers have looked at a number of ways to do this, not only through a pill, but also through an injection and a 
topical gel and they're still working on the male birth control. Now, w- how will this work? Yeah, I mean, Especially the uh, the oral contraceptive for men. Yeah, I mean, right now the ones they have are the ones uh, they, they find that they have to bring down the testosterone level. You know, in men, if you just bring down the testosterone level too low, all the other problems will happen. You know, you're, you can have change in boys, your muscle mass might come down. You know, you might feel generous lethargy. So, all these other effects are there and I think a lot of men wouldn't really want to because yeah. you're talking of men who are in their early, you know, probably in the 20s, 30s or 40s. 30s, yeah. 40s yeah. yeah, so, you know, they they wouldn't like the side effects. So, I think it's still quite a long way. They say at least maybe not 10 years before they can right. find a pill that will really work. But the thing is, with the female, you know, contraceptive, the pill, um, we have hormone <laughs> changes as well yeah. and side effects as well. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, we are still kind of the ones who have to take the female hormone pill. Yeah, that's why, in fact, we don't advocate that. We say actually go for other ways of, mm. uh, you know, prevention because even we know the female hormone have their own side effects you know from things like you know thromboembolic phenomena can have people with you know the sort of vessels getting blocked and you know higher risk of heart higher risk of in certain cancers so mm-hmm. we actually don't really advocate if possible find other alternative means so even for females actually is not the best way of contraception because of the side effects so what are some of um, the contraceptions available that will not affect hormones besides a barrier method yeah so I think the other thing is whether you know they, they things like ligation tubal ligation or for men even they can do the ligation mm-hmm. and I know a lot of men who've done that because that's actually reversible if you want to right yeah. is this a vasectomy yeah vasectomy so right. it's very very simple you know uh, operation no real side effects or risks so there's some option you look at all right. Now, coming up, uh, cancer death rates drop uh, for U.S. adults, but heart disease deaths are on the rise. We'll be taking a look at it next here on Light. With me on HealthWise is Dr. Rajbans, president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. As the number of American adults dying of cancer continues to decline, the number who are dying of heart disease is on the rise. According to a new report, researchers at the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention's National Center for Health Stats um, examined death certs uh, filed across the country from 1999 to 2017 for adults 45 to 65 years old, documenting the number of deaths attributed to cancer and heart disease and this is what they found now this is interesting i mean does this kind of numbers reflect as well here in malaysia i mean uh, heart disease is still the number one killer you know cancer is not caught up yet so we are still facing that cardiovascular disorder problems and i think uh, malaysia with the high risk of uh, obesity diabetes hypertension you know high cholesterol so i think heart disease is still number one mm. and i think you really have to work very hard i mean cancer is increasing but we think we still have to work very hard to educate people people on you know preventing cardiac disease and you know 90% of cardiac cases are just lifestyle right you know, so if you can just control people's lifestyle advise them the right thing you know bring down their blood pressure their diabetes their cholesterols do some exercise stop smoking so all these things will really help to prevent heart disease but Malaysia still heart disease is number one right now cancer treatments are getting even more developed what is the progress for heart disease uh, I mean, heart disease actually is very good treatment for heart disease. The medications we have, the cardiologists with their early interventions with, you know, angiograms uh, and angioplasties. Uh, our, you know, you can even do heart scans nowadays and all the tests they can do to pick up heart disease early. But in heart disease, actually, it's still the prevention because even if you do take the medication and you do all the thing, if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to come back again. All right. Well, so <laughs> it's common sense, isn't it, Dr. Yes, Rajman? it is. <laughs> right. Any wise words for us this week? Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, we'll end with that to say that lifestyle is still the key. You know, we have Raya next week and, uh, you know, Slama uh, Hai Raya to all our, uh, you know, listeners. And uh, just, you know, have a good time, but, you know, just be careful. Don't overindulge. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Dr. Rajvan. Thank you.